I'm Kathy. I'm Anatole. And I'm Justin. And, and this, this is Comics First. Welcome to another Comics First podcast where we are discussing American Widow and part three of three of our series, Memoir in the City, New York Stories by Those Who Live Them. And just a reminder, you can find us on the web at comicsfirst.com, on Twitter at, at Twitter, and Twitter at, at comicsfirst. Um, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash TV, where we are bringing you weekly video reviews of comics that have just been released every Wednesday. So please go and check that out and um, support Comics First. And again, we are here talking about American Widow. I'm here with three lovely people, some of whom were here last week, um, some of whom were not, and some new people. So Who are here virtually. Who are here virtually. This is our first podcast on the major you know, flagship podcast where we are beaming someone in. We should actually start with Tom. Tom, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Cheers. Um, just to introduce myself, my name's Tom. I'm typically a Marvel Comics fan, so this is quite branching out for me. It's good to join the team. It's great to have you here. And Julian? That's my name. That is your name. <laughs> it's great to have you here, too. Thank you. It's, it's less great to have you here than to have Tom here, though. It's because it's not as new. <laughs> you also don't <laughs> like me as much as Tom, so that's, that's okay. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Good. Yeah. I'm uh, excited to have uh, an interesting conversation about this book, which I have a feeling about. And so would, you, would you say of all the podcasts that we've done, American Widow is your least favorite book that we've read? I don't know if that's... I'm not sure. Um, there might have been like single issues that we did... Um, uh, like when we would talk about a whole bunch of Jean Grey stories or something like oh that, that didn't impact me as well. Um, Tom, but she hates Jean Grey. <laughs> no, I've just had I've just had enough of Jean Grey. <laughs> how, how can you have enough of Jean Grey? That's I've just what. had enough. It's a crime. But this is uh, of all the graphic novels I've read, this is the one that I would not recommend to anyone I know and would not read again and would probably trade the experience of having read it for reading another book. <laughs> so just, I mean, yeah. So we're, um, we're talking about American Widow, which is uh, like a sort of a typical graphic novel, words and stories combined, written by Alyssa Torres, um, who is a, a widow of September 11th, and the art is by Sung Yoon Choi, um, who graduated from the School of Visual Arts, and uh, they were probably set up by publishers, I think. Um, so Alyssa meets her husband in New York City. They fall in love and get married very quickly. Um, he goes to work in the World Trade Center on September 10th, and on his second day there, of course, planes fly into the towers. And so this story uh, covers their meeting and then mostly details the aftermath Alyssa's experience of trying to navigate the bureaucracy that rose up uh, trying to service the families of the victims after September 11th. And also she is pregnant at the time her husband dies. And so it also deals with her trying to raise her son and figure out how to move on. One of the things I quite liked about it actually was I felt the relationship very, very real. At the beginning, they fall in love almost insanely quickly. So one week later, he's saying his work permit expires one week after they've met. And she's there thinking, I'd go with you anywhere. But then the day before, on the day he goes in, she's regretting that they had a fight. Yeah. And that they never resolved that fight. She never even had a chance to ask, how did your first day at work go? And 
I find that very, very poignant, the way it, it really feels fleshed out. Not your perfect relationship, but no relationship is perfect. It felt very, very real with that portrayal. You didn't feel like um, it just captured the surface of the relationship? Do you feel like it went deep enough into the relationship for it to be really real? I guess you do, right? I think the issue is that she was mostly wanting to write a story, I think, that explores how she deals with the tragedy, which means you only see fragments of the relationship. And even then, I think you're only seeing the bits that she remembers, um, the bits that haunt her almost. So that scene, for example, um, in chapter four, where she's there looking at him sleeping as if nothing's wrong between us, she then imagine, thinks about these thoughts, better wake you up, you can't be late for work on the second day. I'm still so mad at him. They're the things that she remembers after the event that stand out to her as she's dealing with the grief. And so to me, even the recollections there are viewed through a prism of grief, things unsaid, things that should have been said, things that she wishes she'd not said, the speed of the relationship, the intensity of it. And it's only at the very end that you actually start to get her remembering the good times, the holidays, because then she's starting to move on. She's getting to a place where she can actually remember the good as well as all the bad. That means I don't think you get a full picture of the relationship, but that's because emotionally she couldn't give you a full picture of the relationship at that time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, we just sort of talked about that in shortcomings a little bit last week in our last podcast. Um, and we were talking about, because it was Karen who felt that the characters were really one-dimensional. We were saying, you know, it's not always you're not always able to give the full picture in a story and it's unfortunate that you're not but sometimes you have to put the pieces together yourself is what Derek was saying and I kind of I, I and I agree with that um, but I have to say I don't know that when, when hearing Tom talk it's like wow how could you not like the story so I um, I think maybe like at another time in my life uh, maybe this would have done something for me but I also like I believe that the story like is for some people like I understand that, but I just don't think that it's for me. And um, my what the way that I interpret it, like the fact that we didn't get a full picture of their relationship, I just figured that it had to be that Alyssa had the story, and so she decided to tell it in a graphic format. And she was introduced to this artist that she doesn't know personally, and uh, because she has a sort of position where you sort of have to protect her she's a, a widow of september 11th the artist was not able to be at all critical on her portrayal of her so what i feel we end up getting from the story like instead of a really full picture of their relationship instead of uh, a really good understanding of what eddie was like or even what Alyssa is like is we get a lot of scenarios where Alyssa wants to justify her actions so to me, it just feels like a, a whole bunch of short stories about Alyssa proving how hard it was to have lost someone and how right she was in her dealings with other people. And I, I, don't, I don't need to read that. <laughs> Did you have a similar response? I actually, I, I actually kind of, I agree with everything you just said. Um, but... Well, but I actually, I, I, I was surprised by how much I liked the story because usually I... I head into books about 9-11 and I expect um, an overly sentimental. And this was 
highly sentimental but kind of inane reflection and meditation that asks you know these yeah these kind of inane questions like how could this happen and speaking about the events in this really kind of facile way and instead and i and i actually and which which brings me to like what what you just to what you just said and i think everything you said is right which but it's also kind of the reason i liked it mm-hmm. because instead of it being this surface reflection on an obviously larger than life and you know international incomprehensible event it became this meditation about the minutia of the mourning process and how like a person negotiates their own mourning process with the larger national mourning process of 9/11 and the very particular difficulties that bring and the kind of resentment it brings and the mixed in 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 the way that the kind of natural process of mourning that we all experience or yeah that we all experience the kind of the mixed feelings that you have toward the deceased feelings of anger and resentment how those feelings are then are then changed and reflected differently because of the national stage on which the mourning is taking place and i thought that in 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 that being said i think that you're right like i definitely don't think the author is interested in giving this full psychological portrait of this woman for better and for worse she's definitely i mean it, in large part because i think it's a graphic novel and it's limited to you know what we can see right and it's limited to its frames right it, it it's not it's not interesting giving like a full psychological portrait of elisa i think that it's interested in giving a very brief and very i think very honest depiction of what a person goes through well i don't know because i i've never i didn't lose anyone during 9/11 but i imagine it must be a very honest portrait of what it means to lose someone and have to cope with that loss as filtered through like yeah. the media and everything that happens is that your problem with it Kathy that it's like contrived um not not contrived so much as like it skims over the surface of everything like um i th- i think you were saying kind of that it it doesn't uh, like it it's really cynical to talk about these stories in this way um but like it doesn't shine any new light on the story like every note she hits is a note that we're really familiar with in in terms of the stories of september 11th and and she touches on so many things that i think are interesting and that like i i think what you guys are kind of reacting to is like she hits a note that's like oh a story about that would be great and then it just moves on i think that might actually be one of the reasons my reaction's different um i come from the uk so some of these aspects of the stories never reached this side of the Atlantic pond. Mm. Uh, I never heard some of this. So to me, some of these pieces, um, when she gets the, um, a copy of the act and realizes, oh, this is about protecting the airlines, yeah. I'm pretty sure that will have been a big scandal over in America. But over in the UK, we never heard about some of that. So for me, some of it was actually brand new information. And I found myself reacting to it as it was new to me. Now, for you guys, because you've probably had a lot more attention, um, all the anniversaries and so on, all of that going through, you've probably connected with all aspects of this story a hundred times in a hundred different medias. For me, it was fresh. But for you guys, probably not so fresh. Um. Yeah, no, no. I, 
I, I, I think I agree with a lot of what you just said, but I just wanted to respond to Karen's comments. Um, and there Kathy. are two things. Sorry, I'm so sorry, Kathy. <laughs> okay. I, I'm sorry. Let me, we, we can you, edit that out. Yeah, so I just wanted Kathy's to respond really quickly to Kathy's comments. Um, one, I do think, yeah, again, I think that you're right that it is a relatively, quote unquote, surface depiction of, you know, this woman's process of mourning. But again, that's kind of one of the reasons I liked it because I feel like it doesn't make any, um, it, does, it doesn't presume to be giving like the beginning and end and full thesis on like the subjective experience of the 9-11 morning. It's like really honest the way, like it's, it's aim is to give like a one year highly limited and, you know, kind of highly sentimental and subjective portrait of this woman. Like, I, I mean, the way that it ends, I think is totally emblematic of that how it makes no attempt to wrap up or conclude at the end. Like, it starts in media arrest and it ends, like, without attempting to say, like, and here's what we can take from this. It just says, this is where the year ends and nothing has been resolved and I, I'm still coping with it endlessly. And the second thing I, I wanted to say is that um, I do so, kind of disagree that there's nothing that this, that the graphic novel gives that's new. Because, I mean, yeah, it's, it's true that we all, like, we all hear so many stories and so many takes on 9-11. But I thought that the way that she talked about the kind of endless bureaucracy of death in America was actually really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, the way that she took us through the kind of the endless, endless process of getting money from the government and, you know, processing the death through the government and all the loopholes that you need to jump through. And even the stuff with the body, when you, when she finds the, when they find the piece of his body yeah. that she needs to say like, is his. Yeah, no, that's exactly. And just the words they use, the body mass. Mm -hmm. was, yeah. Know, that like, was new for me. Yeah, like that, like all of that. And even if it like, even if like we had some knowledge of that process, taking us into like the mundane parts of like recovering bodies and getting money, I thought was really important. And I had never seen it before in kind of a work of fiction. I think for me, one of my favorite moments in the book was actually, oddly enough, a page that had very little text. And um, she talks about the birth of her, uh, of their child. And she literally just has text on that page with images surrounding oh, yeah. cuddly teddies and stars. And what she writes really struck me. Um, it's page 84 of the book. Um, and then they anaesthetized me. Large space between that. They said, your baby is upside down. I answered under the unwanted haze. Of course he is. I'm upside down too. And that just struck a chord with me. Yeah. Then there's a space and the next paragraph there. It, I found it fascinating. No one, least of all me, wanted to take chances with a breach delivery. Instead, they handled me kindly, as a VIP, because I had a post-9-11 baby to deliver. Gently, gently, they cut the widow open and took out the prize. And what strikes me about that is how much the disaster had consumed her identity. She is the widow who is cut open. You can continue. Okay, so at, at their best, one of the things uh, comics and graphic novels can do is represent emotions 
in a way that can feel more truthful because it doesn't, it's not words that fail. And I think that if, um, if Alyssa Torres were able, if like if she were an artist or if she had a really close relationship with artists like Harvey Picard had with some of the artists that drew him, it would be possible to draw some of these things that are not concrete, like the the almost sexual emotions that she has while she's in labor or the times when she dreams about Eddie. But instead we get Alyssa's words, which like she's describing powerful images, but to me, she's not an amazing writer. Um, and that's like, it's not her job to be. Just what she had was this incredible experience. And I think it's cool and really validating that she chose to tell it in this medium, but it, it doesn't, they're not, I don't believe that this is a situation where the words and the images are working together with each other. I think it's a case where they both, they forced a failure because they, it would, it's, it's just impossible to dig into this woman's psyche if you don't know her very well. It would be immoral to do, I think. Oh, that's interesting. Do we feel that the art style helped or hindered the story then? That's a good question. We're going to come up with that. We're going to talk about that in the next segment, but should we talk about... But you, we can. Well, Julia, want to say something first? Yeah, really quickly. Yeah. That um, again, like I, I, I actually like, completely agree with everything you're saying. Just not like your critical reaction to it, which I guess is just like a difference in maybe what each of us expected going into the comic and what we each hoped the comic would deliver. Because I like again, like I really kind of like I. I think what you took as, and maybe rightfully so. I don't know. You took as like the as the book's inability to delve into like the deeper more maybe more nuanced i don't i don't know however you might want to put that um parts of you know this woman's experience i took as like kind of a great show of restraint and like in knowing and like le allowing certain things to stand on their own i mean again like i loved when they put they like just put they put his documents just yeah. on the page like by themselves as if to say like it speaks for itself like there's no need to you know have another like 10 pages in which we go into this experience of viewing the document how she initially felt when viewing the document etc 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 right i loved that it felt like the author at least the way i took it was the author like allowed the story to stand on its own and almost, and I almost got the feeling that like we almost were respecting her privacy to a certain degree. Like she gave us as much as she could give, and we saw as much as we could see. Um, like f as people, as outsiders who are looking in at this very personal morning process, and we took what she wanted to give us, and that that was enough. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, I just keep thinking if something like this had happened to me. Um I would just, I would try to get it out in any way possible, you know? I would need to express it. Um, you know, that's just how I am. And I think, I mean, I don't know if she's the same way, but I know a lot of human beings are the same way. Um, so, I, you know, I can't fault her for, you know, coming up with a story and bringing it to someone and finding an artist because, you know, maybe she didn't know how or this is a new medium for her or something. Um, but at the same time, I do see why that's a turnoff for you. Um, so I can like understand that, but, um, I, I, I guess I, I could see myself doing the same thing and therefore I can't blame her, um, too much for it. I mean, I, I also, I definitely respect her need and, 
I think it's totally worthy for her to tell this story. Uh, like, again, like maybe it's, it's just not, it's not the, oh, and also maybe like her story just isn't for me. Like maybe this just isn't the way that I would like, I, I what I don't understand is like what it does for the reader. Like she totally has every right to tell her story and in any way she wants and then uh, send it out to whatever audiences for them to receive, however, and that doesn't have any impact on what it did for her. And if telling the story did something for her, that's great. Um, but like, I don't understand what it's, what it's messages for anyone else, what it's purposes for anyone else. Yeah. I mean, neither do I, like, I really, I also don't understand. Um, I, but, but again, I think that's what I really like about it, that it doesn't make any attempt at all to shape this into this kind of highly structured and like highly stylized narrative that can give us a, like a, a takeaway or anything that we can come as like, okay, that's what we now, that's what we can say about 9-11 now, or, oh, that's what we can say about the way we process death. Like the story speaks for itself, at least in my mind. If you were going to, um, to play Alyssa in a film adaptation of this, <laughs> Right, and you were studying Susan Batson's method of acting. Right. What would Alyssa's need be? Oh my God! Because I—that's <laughs> what I have trouble finding out, mm -hmm. and that's why okay. I tend to think about what Kathy says a lot and take that to heart because I can't figure it out. I can't figure out what's driving this character and her motivations. I know it's about the bureaucracy and her dealing with that, right? But I don't well, know. Well, yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, agree yeah, totally. with you guys totally. Right. And that I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like what she's, what it's. I don't know what it's, what she, what her need is. Yeah, I mean, sorry. Yeah, you, you, you. To me, this. um, yeah. To me, her need is. I feel like the driving force of this whole narrative is simply grief. I don't think there is an overarching narrative or a point I agree. for the read per se. I think it's all about her outpouring her grief, and I actually see this as part of her coping strategy. Um, I think she produced this to help herself to deal with some of the emotions that she's trying to describe in the book. Um, so to be honest, I don't think it's so much a reader experience as we are almost witnesses to someone else yeah, exactly. dealing with this. However, we can argue about how well expressed um, those dealings may have been in it. Um, so that would be my take on it. I think her need, I think the dealing with the bureaucracy and everything else is simply the fact that she's dealing with the bureaucracy through a haze of grief. There are whole bits where I love you don't actually get what they're saying to you. Yeah. So there's a scene on page 129 where she's imagining a conversation um, that's going on. Is this the right statute she's saying when she's given a copy of the bill that's supposed to look after the widows and orphans of 9-11? And she just imagines this conversation of one guy speaking money and another, let's see what we can do. And I love that that's quite vague because a person dealing with so much grief can't absorb what's going on around them that much. And to me, that vagueness speaks of the haze of, under of struggling to understand and deal with the world around her at that time. I think the bureaucracy is just what happened. The grief is the centre of it. 
the bureaucracy just happened to be what society poured upon her. So her need is to, trying to do grief. So her need is to express her grief. Yes. Okay. Would you agree? I mean, yeah. That I mean, that's definitely one way to put it. Yeah. And and I actually completely agree with everything you just said. I think that if we're, <laughs> if we're talking about method acting yeah. right now, <laughs> and we're trying to figure out how we might, pl- I, I think that you want to express it in like the simplest way possible. And this is, geez, I'm, this is some, this is very kind of cl- trite what I'm about to say. But I mean, I think her need is to love, and her inability. And because her husband left her in such an abrupt and obviously untimely way, such that she could never reach any kind of closure, you know, or, or, or talk to him about what was about to happen, she has this need to love and to be loved, but instead she's only met, which, which, which needless to say is like the most personal of needs, and, and she's met instead with a highly impersonal and, you know, obviously like bureaucratic and capitalist process in which um, her her personal mourning process and her need to love and like subsequently to to detach herself from her husband so she can move on is then, is not respected and not acknowledged. And that's like the conflict. It's it's her need. Like, it's like like what you said to express her grief or to love, however you want to put it, and and um, uh, however, in a bureaucracy that's not equipped and not sensitive to that. I think one of the things that really interested me about her is that um, that speed with which she fell in love. As I said earlier on, the fact that within a week of having met the guy. She was imagining that if he was turned out of the country, she'd want to go with him. That's pretty dramatic and head over heels. And it's just really interesting looking at the relationship. It seems to me to be a relationship that because it had been so fast, so speedy, because of that, it probably wasn't 100% stable. So there's this scene where at the moment that 9-11's happening, she doesn't know about it, and she's there walking along the street, thinking, maybe I should leave him, go to Hawaii and start again. It's page 32. And just fascinated me to realise, okay, that speed of loving may not actually have been conducive to a healthy relationship at that point. I've no doubt they could have worked through it, you know, all that kind of thing. Um... But I think that speed with which she'd loved him meant she'd got so intense an emotional connection there. And and that probably meant that when he died so suddenly, the need for closure was all the more dramatic. But there could be no closure. Um, so I just find that a very interesting thread that runs through through the story. What did you think of the fact that she was jealous of who she imagined being uh, consoled by him at the moment of his death. Um, if you remember, you know, she had imagined him or fantasized about um, him consoling a woman as like they jumped together 
um, from the towers on their death. And, and she was mad at him for that. She was angry at him for the possibility that that might happen. And, um, and Kathy, you have something to say about that? I, like many other things in this book, I thought that was an interesting point that she brought up and then did not explore in any further <laughs> detail and moved on to the next thing. <laughs> you know, I could see that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Um, what did you bring you, Julian? I liked that image too. And it's like, here's this. Let's go on to the next thing. Uh, one of the things that this story touched on that I thought was really interesting, but that it didn't go into in any depth, was the idea of trying to account for people's relationships economically. So, like, how do you evaluate how close someone was? Is the tragedy less tragic if the marriage was bad at the time that the husband died? Who deserves to get more money from the government and who doesn't? And who makes those kinds of decisions? And... um I, I ended up like having a really interesting conversation with myself in my head about it, but I didn't have a conversation with this book about that. Uh, it was what my opinion was, but yeah, go on. Um, I, I, I just want to ask you a question because think about all of the interesting questions you're asking in response to this book. Don't you, th I mean, would you prefer them just like state them out, right? Because I mean, I feel like the very, by merit of the fact that you are, like, having such an interesting and complex response to it is evidence that the book does have those questions. They just don't state them outright. Or did, do, you, would you, do you want them to, like, just say, like, this is what we're wondering right now, or these are the questions at stake? Because I feel like all those questions are there. They're just not explicit about it. Yeah, and so, like... Uh, any individual person going through the experience would also like come up against all of these different issues to mm -hmm. tr try to resolve and, and not be able to come up with a solution, right? So if you're going through the grieving process, you're going to, in passing, think like, oh, it's so weird that I have to choose a coffin. Oh, it's so strange that I have to pay this money for this service for someone who's dead. And um, how, how did the insurance company decide on this deduction? And then like not think about it any further because your relationship with the person is more important. Mm -hmm. But I, I think part of what is really bothering me is that, like, there, on the one hand, these are questions that have been touched on in other narratives already. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, taking a distant and universal view of the events of September 11th has been really problematic for our nation for the rest of the world. Right. Um, and like, it's a, it's a rough thing to lay on this one poor widow, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, it's sort of irresponsible to be sitting at a conversation, like at a table with other widows who are saying, I think we should bomb them all. And then to just show that and be like, well, someone said that, that was weird, right? Let's look at something else now. Yeah, no, totally. Can I, sorry. Can I respond to that really quickly, Tom? <laughs> and then, because I, I was ready to, because I usually go into like narratives of 9-11 ready to say this American-centric narrative doesn't even come close to capturing the international implications of what 9-11 meant. And again, like what I actually really liked about it was the fact that it didn't make this claim to be speaking for the American experience, which I... Do you, I, you just made a face. So maybe, well, it's well, No, middle, it is. Right? Oh, right, yeah, right, um, point taken, most okay. definitely. But... Um, <laughs> Well, it's hard to argue with that, but I mean, <laughs> the way I took and like the way I took 
the book's, however you want to put it, restraint, inability to um, to deal with, you know, psychological and um, political questions in a comprehensive way, or however you choose to frame that, what I took to be, like, restraint was also, like, an acknowledgement on the part of the author that I'm not making an attempt to speak for, like, America, or I'm not making an attempt to speak for, like, whatever that may be, like the national mourning process or how we as a nation should take 9-11. I, I, I thought that was actually a positive thing. But didn't she say that? I mean, by writing a book called American Widow? Well, I know, but that's, I mean, again, like the title, if, the title makes it hard to defend. But I think the content of the book, again, speaks to like something actually somewhat modest, which is that, like in, in something with a, with a relatively modest aim, which is, like, take this however you will. This is one woman's experience of coping with someone that's lost in 9-11. Like, I mean, there are a ton of other, like, there are a ton of other narratives that have been written about 9-11. You know, you could, you could take any number of novels, like, you know, Netherland or, like, As the Great World Spins or Turns, I forget. <laughs> I forget the last word. It, which kind of implicitly make this claim to be speaking for, like, a country and speak for the way that we should, like, absorb this national tragedy. Whereas I didn't think that this narrative was trying to do that. I thought that it was by kind of, by limiting its scope to this one woman's experience in one year, taking, selectively choosing certain events that happened, which sometimes work in its favor and sometimes don't. I thought that it was kind of taking a step back and saying, like, I can't speak for this whole other thing, but this is what I can speak to. I agree with that um, to an extent. It's a strange book in that for all that it's called American Widow, it's a very, very individualistic portrayal of the events. It's narrowed in on one person and one person's experience. And in a way, the title doesn't actually do justice to the contents. It's like um, it's like it's got the wrong look on it, really, and that I think is one of the problems with the book. It just hasn't quite clicked in terms of what it's being sold as: American Widow, and its individualistic "I don't want to speak for the nation" contents. There's a contradiction there. There is a contradiction there, right? Yeah. And I think that that's the contradiction that lies at the core of the book. Again, which I think you're totally right. Which is like this tension between the way a nation mourns like a national tragedy and the way that an individual like yes. mourns a national tragedy and the way that like those two are then and and how difficult it is to reconcile that for big i mean because like and maybe this is just me but i remember during like the months and years after 9/11 like i had no conception of like the individual experiences of those families who had lost members. In fact, I was under the impression in, I mean, basically throughout afterward that victims were treated with like unconditional respect and unconditional and, and, and unconditional care. And this is one of the first works that I've seen that's contested that at all. Have you, I, I mean... I gotta yeah. be honest, I was on internet forums quite a bit at that time and the kind of messages that she's seeing, greedy, the state shouldn't have to support, that kind of thing. 
I saw them. And it was actually quite a nasty reminder seeing those kind of messages here again mm-hmm. because I'd forgotten seeing them. Because I'd just thought, ew, at the time. And not, you know, it had felt right. horrible to see those thoughts expressed. And to see them again there just reminded me of some very nasty conversations I saw on the internet at the time. Mm-hmm. That being said, I was 12 like during during the months afterwards so i perceived something so yes i have a small sliver of what i'm sure like people that were older than myself saw um but yeah no i think i I think you're absolutely right i i could say that i was not previously aware of specifically what the families related to victims of september 11th had to go through um like i i hadn't read any stories about how difficult it was for them in particular to get whatever share of, especially like the charity donations, you would think like that should be pretty straightforward because it's people who have freely given the money. But I I mean, I am aware of how difficult it is for anyone to get any kind of public assistance in this country. And so in, in that sense, it was sort of frustrating to me, like again, for her to take a sort of superficial perspective of this, like, oh, these people don't work for very long and they are volunteers and when I call back, it's a different person. And that's the same experience that mm-hmm. anyone would have trying to deal with with Medicare or, you mm-hmm. know, like uh, it felt like another facile view of something that's really complicated and that could really use a spotlight, especially from someone who is sort of like faultless, you know? Right. Um, I, yeah, no, again, I, I think, I think everything you're saying is true. And I think like it comes down to like the question of like what when you're invoking 9/11 as a subject matter is there a certain responsibility? I mean is maybe that like kind of what we're asking here like what the is there like an onus on a narrative of 9/11 to speak to something larger than the subjective or surface or however you want to take that? I think also our question about packaging figures into this too. Like how much of my expectations were formed by the fact that the book was called American Widow, by the fact that I was expecting to read a graphic novel in the way that I'm familiar with, where they try to portray emotions. Like by the fact that like Harvey Picar is on the back saying that he really liked the story. Like I think packaging probably had a lot to do with the way my reaction has been so dramatically negative. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Really, really quickly, I mean, if we're, I, I think that just because we're talking about graphic novels that deal with national tragedies, obviously I feel like the one book we have to talk about is like Mouse. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking about Mouse when I was reading. I was when I was looking at the maps and the, yeah, and exactly. the documents, full documents and, photos, and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that obviously this is like a stupid comment to even make, but obviously I think like Mouse is a vastly superior work and definitely reveals things about like the psychology and the habits and the aftermath of the Holocaust that American Widow doesn't do. And I guess like the reason I felt it was okay for me was because I feel like American Widow didn't have any pretensions to cast men. Maybe this is, I'm mistaking um, a modest aim or I'm, I'm mistaking, you know, a shortcoming for a modest aim, but I feel like American Widow's aim wasn't quite as like monumental as Mouse's was. And which is why I feel like I'm more accepting of its shortcomings or limitations in a way that maybe I shouldn't be. I think that's fair, though. What do you think, think, Tom? I think there's a subtle point I'd raised from all the different discussions here. Maybe one of the problems with this book is it 
touches on too many things lightly. So we've actually generated a lot of discussion on a lot of pretty deep subjects here that the book does a very, very cursory touch upon. And maybe the problem is there's actually too many ideas that are there. The idea of the economic value of a person, what was the relationship, the idea of how the tragedy works, yeah, um, the bureaucracy, all of these different aspects. Maybe that's part of the problem that you're picking up here, is that there's too many thoughts running in the one book. Yeah, I mean, I think that you could, but yeah, no, I, th I think that that's like, that's a good point. And I think that maybe that, because I, I feel like what the book was trying to do was trying to capture like the, like the, the psychological narrative of a person who's going through this process and all the different thoughts that come into the, to, to one's head or, or so I imagine. And I think you might be right that maybe like it didn't do the mourning process justice because it wasn't able to delve deeply into any number of the thoughts that must pass through someone's head who's dealing with a personal loss on the national stage like that. You kind of interpret the restraint in the book as a function of the narrative and as like a deliberate decision, which is tasteful. And I, I could see like liking a short story that I thought took the same approach to something, right? And, and my interpretation of that, whether it's right or wrong, was that because she and the artist didn't have a close relationship, it was impossible to be critical of her. Um, and like to go back to Mouse, Art Spiegelman is the protagonist. And so he's able to be critical of himself and he's able to show this like he doesn't make a saint out of himself or out of his father right and i think it's i i i could palette a book that made a scene out of the guy who died but for her to come off looking so faultless is really difficult for me right. and I, I think that it's it's because how if i were the artist how could i do it any other way totally you know yeah and i don't want to i don't want to like get into a discussion about mouse right now because i know that's not the topic here, but I mean, yeah, like one of the brilliant parts of Mouse is that no one gets away, you know, like like no one isn't deeply examined, you know, no one gets away as faultless, not even his mother, mm -hmm. you know, no, like, or especially not his father. Especially not, yeah. Especially not his father, you know, he really doesn't screw around with that. But what we get is that we have to ask, like, you know, why he, is he this way? Like, what made him this way? And Art Spiegelman's genius is that he's able to contextualize what most would interpret as like this really kind of horrible and like petty man within the context of this larger narrative of history, yeah. which, albeit American Widow, doesn't do half as well as Mouse does. But then again, we're talking about like, I would, I would call like the Shakespeare of like graphic novels. I wouldn't say he's like Shakespeare. Dude, Ma I think Mouse, well, again, like, I, I, think I, hes is a, I hesitate is a to get seminal, into, like... As Anatole would say, a seminal work of graphic novel. I think you you could also argue that it, it tells the memoir through cartoon as well as Shakespeare uses words to tell the kinds of stories that Shakespeare Oh, that's tells, good, but... that's good, yeah. I'll accept that. I accept well, that. yeah, I mean, by Shakespeare, I'm I just, yeah. Have to pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, all right, I'm... I'm Again, I don't want now. I don't want to get into a discussion about how Shakespeare may or may not be like Art Spiegelman, but I will. Yeah, that's that's just what I meant. Just what Kathy said right now. Do we feel that the art that the artistic choices that have been made here 
help the story or hinder it? I don't know. That's a great question. That is a great question. My impression was scattershot. I think that there are a lot of really good and really interesting choices in here. And I think there are a lot of places where it's it's an obvious choice. Like uh, here on, on page 15, the two of them meeting in front of the two towers. It's like, oh, thank you, Hallmark card uh, hallmark like, I, the darkest hallmark I, card of like, all Kathy, time do you think this would have made a good lifetime movie yeah i that's think what, it would make an ideal lifetime okay that's movie. that's what that's the problem then i can see that because um, I, I can see that too yeah but but there are other there are other artistic decisions that i really liked and i think also like from this the, could have this could revive Alyssa milano's career <laughs> <laughs> that's let, let us not hyperbolize mr alba <laughs> Um, from the perspective of like someone trying to respectfully tell a personal story that you can't tell unrespectfully, I think that <laughs> the art is really, um, it's accurate. I think that you always know what the Alyssa character is thinking. Like you always know immediately what her relationship is to the other people in the page and in the panel with her. So I, I, I think that it, it tells this story that I didn't really like very much well. Um, I, I, I liked a lot of the art mm-hmm. at times. I'm going to be honest, though. I'd, I'd criticize on two points. Mm-hmm. The first one is, on the back of it, one of the comments from Harvey Pecker that's praising it is, a moving story that you can't stop reading. As a bonus, choice illustrations move the story. And what really struck me straight away was that Unintentionally, I think he's actually making a critical comment there. As a bonus, the art moves the story. But in a graphic medium, the art and the story are supposed to be together, completely united, mm. working together so closely that, that you can't separate them. But to him, he's reacting to her personal story. And then, as a bonus, there's the art. And that, to me, immediately suggests, right, something hasn't quite worked. The other point I'd raise is that um, Justin mentioned a scene on page 55 earlier in the, uh, in the podcast of her jealousy um, with the people, of her jealousy of the time that the guy had had with those other people who died there, wishing she was there and imagining this scene where he's comforting a woman. I've got to be honest, I'd not absorbed what was going on in that scene at all. And looking at it, the art had completely confused me. There's a scene, I'm sorry we fought, but I'm still angry at you, where it looked like the man and the woman are kissing. And I'd not understood what on earth was going on in that scene. I'd wondered, is what's going on there that she's imagining some sort of not-quite-reconciliation or something at that moment, if she'd been there? And then when you pulled out, actually, it was imagining him comforting someone else. I was like, oh, that's what was supposed to be going on. If the art was actually working in sync with the story, then I should have been getting that message on first read, not been left wondering, oh, is that what it means? Um, so I'd be fairly critical on that one, to be that's honest. That's a good point, yeah. Where I feel that the choice was spot on, where the reactions were fascinating, and the art was really interestingly done. But there are times like that when I feel it stumbles and possibly even falls. I, I actually have a question, which I think everyone here would, uh, would be way more qualified to answer than myself, because I'm, 
I w- I'm, I'm not an expert on graphic novels or comics. And um, the question, but, but, you know, I have some experience with, um, you know, English literature and theater and, like, film and whatnot. And the question that's always asked, especially in, like, theater and film, is why, what demands that a story be told in, like, theatrical form? And I guess, like, my question would be, in which I was thinking, which I was wondering if maybe you guys could answer, because I'm actually curious, is, like, what demands that this story be told as a graphic novel? Yeah, I don't think anything. I kind of also no. mean that, like, gen- like, generally as, like, if not this, then what does demand to be told as a graphic novel? Because I think that you might be right, but I'm not sure how to think about it. The only thing I can think of to answer that question properly is that, again, I'm going to go back to what I said before, is, you know, this woman has lived through this experience, and it's staying with her, and the only thing I can think of is, you know, maybe she needed to see it visually, you know? Maybe mm-hmm. it she felt that was the best medium for it because that's how it how she was dealing with it versus a lifetime film that Kathy was talking about earlier but um or a um or a, a piece of theater i mean this is maybe that that's how it felt to her i mean i would hate to think that which is probably what happened that she went to some agent and the agent sent her to an editor and they're like hey let's just make this into a graphic novel right that's what i think yeah. that's, that's, that's that probably what happened um, and then they were like let's call it american widow that's probably what happened. You know, there's a, like, American Splendor. And I think it, you can even, so reading her thank you notes, like the artist comes at the end and she gets less space than a bunch of other people. Like, she gets one sentence, basically. That's as, really interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. If, Wow, I mean, I know it's dangerous territory to speculate yeah. as to, like, you know, what must be happening behind the scenes, but what what else could that say? She's really hard to find online, too. I tried to get a quote from her, um, and it was, I couldn't find her. The writer or the artist? The writer. Yeah. yeah. I, I think even if it started, uh, I, I think that, um, so, like, one of the things that, like, was blowing my mind about this is that Scott McCloud has a blurb on the back here and uh, Harvey Picard, as we've said a couple of times. And these are both people who I've, I really think of as understanding what the medium can accomplish. And I'm like, what are they? What's happening here? But I think what I mean, is really... They're enchanted by a story about 9-11. I mean, especially I think, Scott McCloud, who wrote, yeah. you know, effing understanding comics. Yeah, and making comics. I think yeah. what this says is that we, we've reached a point where people believe you can tell really personal and really important stories in the medium. And I think that's good. Even if this is, from my perspective, a failure, I, I think that it's it says something really good about where we think, like, what we believe comics can do right now. And I, that's the only way that I can understand Scott McCloud. Just that I've got to be honest, I think that something similar has happened to what Kathy's saying there, that she's written something together. Um, because from the acknowledgements, it sounds that way in the flow as well, as though she'd got things written down and then she's gone to publishers and they've gotten her in contact with people. And it's all just snowballed from there. Mm. Um, I think my honest reaction to what demands that this story be told as a graphic novel is the same, that there isn't much that demands it be told as a graphic novel. It could be told in possibly even better in other mediums than this one. Um, I feel that it works for me as a graphic novel. It did touch me. As I mentioned, my reaction was 
very positive to it. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it works as well as it could have done if it had been expressed a bit in a different medium, perhaps. And perhaps if there'd been, I'll try to be sensitive with the way I phrase this, but a greater editorial involvement because I can't help wondering if it's possible that something as personal as this, an editor might almost be scared of, how much do I nudge this, how much do I shape this, before a person feels that they're being threatened and attacked. And it's possible that a little bit stronger editorial involvement could have led to something that was a little bit tighter, that explored some of the issues that we've discussed a little bit deeper, and maybe avoided this scattershot approach. It's possible that what's gone on here is influenced by the editors not being as strong as they could have been. I, I, you know, I do feel like we're kind of hating on people who like, like, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to write a script, get an agent, and go figure it out, you know. But, um, but I see. What, I mean, I know you don't agree with the word contrived, but I see how this work could be a bit contrived. Um, you know, that way, it's almost like the making right. of. Um, it's just. Well, I don't know when that happens. It just has like this like Backstreet Boys yeah. call. It didn't mean like we got this band, we all auditioned <laughs> them, Christ. we got them all together, and now they're gonna make money. You know, versus you um, just said the single most hateful thing about the book out <laughs> <laughs> of all but of I us. Don't hate it. No, but that's just <laughs> <laughs> no. But like I think, but it's that kind of like corporate art. You know what yeah, I'm saying? No, I I completely know. And um, I I think that's totally right. Um, and I think that. I like I agree with um, what you guys just said, um, and I don't want to speculate about editorial involvement. But I think you bring up a great point, which is that um, part of the reason why, and again, I I keep talking about Mouse, but one of the part of the, one of the reasons why Mouse could be written as it was, as biting as it was, and as honest as it was, was because of the distance between, you know, the Holocaust and Mouse. And I think that it's real that it's weird. I mean, I know. We've been saying it's too soon since, like, September 12th, 2001. And I don't know when something becomes not too soon or it becomes okay to talk about um, the experiences of 9-11 in a way that isn't simply a rehashing of how difficult it was for everyone in America. Um, but, and, and again, I, 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 I liked American Widow. But I do think one of like the things it reminded me of is that, like, man, we are so far from talking about 9/11 in the way that it needs to be spoken about in so many ways. And you no, know, even if I like it, it is a, a rehashing. Like in in one way or another, like it is. It's nothing I didn't already know. And I don't know when, and like I think it's an interesting point. Like I don't know when we can get to the point in which someone can write a narrative about 9/11, and how we experience 9/11, that isn't just about how awful it was for us people here in America and how difficult it is. Yeah, um, but maybe that wasn't her intent. Maybe it, her no, no, audience no, 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 was no, 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 no. That's 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 exactly. I think you're exactly right, and that's part of my argument. I don't think it's her intent, which is why, like, I don't. It's which is why I like it. But I'm just kind of thinking about the larger scope of like narratives of 9/11 and how we as a country and how we as you know like an international community talk about 9/11. 
and this, and it, again, like, and I hesitate to say, like, because the onus is not on a single writer or a single graphic novel to correct or, you know, yeah, yeah, to correct the way that we as a nation, we as a people talk about these events, but we certainly have a long way to go. Just to say that, for me, oddly enough, one of the most powerful bits of the book is actually at the beginning. The very beginning where it's showing the world reacting to what happened at 9-11. Okay. And I think one of the reasons it worked for me was that single scene, London, England, 2.40pm. I remember being sat watching as the towers fell. And I remember watching that on TV and I remember going onto the internet because... I could tell the news were just cycling around the same old narrative already and I wanted to find out what was going on. And from that moment it drew me in to this story. Now that in a way suggests that the point is right that we haven't got the right distance yet to be able to look back. Even for me in England, just seeing a single scene and picturing watching that TV set was enough for me to enter very emotionally into narrative and it just makes me think maybe the whole world needs still more time because scars like 9-11 run very very deep it's true i mean i guess i was the only one here who was in my 20s when 9-11 happened i must say i you know although i really enjoyed it as well um like tom did i wasn't taken back there i wasn't taken back to the day and what i found most tragic was that this woman lost her love at this tumultuous time in their relationship. And the reality of 9-11 didn't speak to me as much as that. I'm not sure that the book captured that um, and fully captured that day as much as it did capture the tragedy of just the situation. And, um, you know, I kind of wish that it mm -hmm. um, talked about 9-11 in a sort of larger scale that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, unfortunately it didn't. And that being said, I still enjoyed it. So, Yeah, I mean... A Again, like, I know that we're coming to the end, but I think that, like, every, like, yeah, the, the, you're exactly right. And, but it's, it's just so hard to know, like, obviously, whenever you enter a subject like 9-11 or any subject in which kind of mass murder has been committed, there is some responsibility to, you know, talk about the event in a, maybe not in a certain way, but talk, but like touch on certain things. And I really don't know what that means or like, what do you think it would have taken to, like, do justice? No, it's complicated. It? She chose a really complicated thing to write about, I think. Yeah. And a complicated subject. Because, like, doing justice to 9-11 doesn't just mean doing justice to, like, how we felt. It means doing justice to just a whole set of, like, entanglements and, you know, and political happenings and history. And, I mean, because, again, like, 9-11 is the end or is not the end result, but is a product of years and years of, you know, certain policies and certain happenings abroad that led to this horrible thing happening here. And doing justice to that, I, I can't imagine a more difficult task myself. I think I'd just like to pick on one thing Justin just said, actually, that she chose a really complex topic. I've got to be honest, I think that by its nature, she didn't choose this topic. The topic chose her. Oh, so true. That Absolutely. There's nothing else she could have written at that time and perhaps won't write again. I don't think she because, has. Mm -hmm. I, 
I haven't found out. I haven't I, found I, I, I looked her up before. I, I, I didn't. I don't think that she's a writer, quote unquote, as in like one who's gonna like finish, like continue a career writing yeah. stories like that. I think this was like her story. And to me, I think that idea has just flipped the star in its head because she didn't choose this story; it chose her, and she's just expressing her reaction to that story. To that extent, because the story chose her, her reaction, her perspective isn't able to approach it in the same kind of way that we're trying to say is possible. Um, I think someone who chose 9-11 as their subject, coming as an outsider looking, or even someone who was affected but had gotten through the grief process, could pull some of these perspectives out. But she's still dealing with it. She's still lost in the middle of all this maze, this emotional turmoil. And so she can only express what she can express as well as she can. And almost can't see some aspects of those because her grief is blocking her. And that's completely human. But it does affect the quality and it does affect whether or not this book can do, is actually capable of doing some of the things we're saying 9-11 needs. I think you're exactly right. That's all I'll say. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a really good place to leave it. Um, so thank you for listening to another Comics First podcast, comicsverse.com. Thank you, everyone, for being with us. And um, we'll hopefully you can hear more about us next week. Thank you. Oh, Kathy, do you have a special send-off that's kind of trite? That's kind of trite. You have to just tack on the end of our discussion. Exactly. Uh, no, I hadn't been thinking about it at all. Um, uh, well, uh, as as the um, as as choice illustrations were a bonus to Torres's story, my sign off will be a bonus to this podcast. <laughs> See you next time, folks. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.